Good morning, good afternoon. Welcome everybody to IDS Talks podcast. I'm delighted to be joined not only by Dan Ruprecht, a frequent guest, but Miss Eleanor Dews of Bates Wells here in London. You'll learn a bit more about her in a moment, uh, but she's saying hello from her offices here in London. Say hello, Eleanor. Hi, hi. Great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me, Tim and Dan. Ah, oh, you're very welcome. We we really look forward to the to the chat. Uh, a lot of people might be familiar with with Dan and myself, but we'll do a really quick background about who we are and who the firm are prior to uh, uh, handing it over to you, uh, where where you shouldn't be modest in, in telling us about <laughs> your your expertise and, and, and background. Uh, again, I'm I'm Tim Tim Latulip. I'm one of the the directors here in the the business here in London. Uh, IDS are a 14 what almost 15 year old. Uh, data services and uh, electronic discovery firm founded in the United States. We're chambers ranked, we're all over America, and we support European clients uh, from here in London. My background is uh, data forensic examiner, expert witness, very technical. Uh, Dan Ruprecht's background is a little bit different, but I will let him explain that. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Um... As, as Tim mentioned, I have a, a little bit of a different background than he does. And, and rather than focusing primarily on the technical side of the aspects in, in our day-to-day our -day work, uh, I take a more uh, lawyerly perspective. Uh, my background is that of an attorney. Uh, and I often sit as sort of a translator between the technology specialists and, and the lawyers that, that we work alongside, uh, really sort of creating workflows and, and developing solutions that, that best meet the goals of the matters at hand. Uh, so I often say where, where Tim builds the universe of data to consider, uh, it's my job to, to figure out ways to take that apart and get to the evidence that we're after. Uh, so together we, we formulate uh, a, a very sort of unique tandem uh, that, that covers the entirety of the EDRM. Um, and yes, we're we're joined today by by Eleanor, who's uh, who's become quite a good friend of ours and a, and a, and definitely a sounding board in in all things data protection. Uh, but there's no one better to uh, explain your background than than you, Eleanor. So uh, over to you. Thank you so much, Dan. Um, so I'm Eleanor Deuce. I'm a partner and head of data privacy at Bateswells, which is a law firm based in the city of London. Prior to working at Bates Wells, I was a UK government lawyer and I was fortunate enough to be part of the GDPR negotiations in Brussels. So I was the government's lead lawyer. Um, so I spent uh, a number of years traveling from London to Brussels and back um, discussing this uh, piece of legislation, which of course applies in the EU uh, and extraterritorially. Um, so it's a, it was a, a really fascinating experience to be, be part of that negotiation. Um, after that, uh, I worked on a number of other EU law matters in government in the Foreign Office, and my final posting was in the Department for Exiting the EU. So I led on the core provisions of the domestic legislation, um, which gave effect to Brexit, as well as uh, uh, working on the withdrawal agreement between the UK and the EU and the framework for the future UK-EU relationship. Um, and so I advise on Brexit, but also very much, of course, on all aspects of data protection, including international matters, international transfers and that sort of thing. Thank you, Eleanor. So you are the right person to, to join this talk after all. Uh, it's going to be very useful. Uh, thank you very much. We we were recently, as Dan mentioned, we, we've become friends quite quite recently, we were joined together at, a, at an event in, in Vienna 
in, in the middle of October, the International Association of Defense Council, the IADC, uh, they're over a century old now. Their corporate council college meeting in Europe annually, COVID notwithstanding, is usually in places like Brussels, Paris, uh, you know, you name it, Berlin. They, they move around. And I've been going for many years, and it was a delight to be back in person uh, and, and moderating, a moderating a panel once again, which, which you joined, uh, Eleanor. The, the theme of the whole event in Vienna was actually setting the course in unsteady times. Uh, someone's going to fact check this later, I hope, but that was, that was the, uh, the, the sort of core theme of the, of the meetings at large. And there, there's quite a lot going on when you unpack that, that term. There's a lot going on in the world. You mentioned the, the dreaded B word uh, a moment ago. We had a pandemic. We have a war on, on, on European soil. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, austerity that'll surely follow economic recession and, and um, financial pains. So we've we've kind of been living through almost three once in a generation kind of events in a co quite compact uh, period of time. I know it's sort of a loaded question, but but I guess first question, just to get the ball rolling, Dan, how does this affect the IDS firm and, and, and the practice that you're that you're you're sitting in. I mean, these are there's there's a lot going on in the world right now. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we we deal with data and and uh, on on the matters that we work on and uh, the the clients that we deal with. We're we're often dealing with with global matters. We're dealing with many jurisdictions uh, all over the world, uh, and and problems don't really have borders. Um, and and in that sense, um, you know, we've always been prepared for the world that we're now currently faced with uh you know during the pandemic we were we were told to work from home uh you know we now live in a hybrid type environment where where people are still a little bit reticent about going back into the office mm -hmm. um where some industries may have to uh really sort of reformulate how they purpose their their own organizations we we've actually always been living in this sort of hybrid environment and and have already been prepared for a work at home type mentality. So so in terms of you know how have things changed for for IDS in particular, I think it's it's not so much what we've needed to do to to sort of prepare for this new world order that we're dealing with. Um, it's more about how are we now expressing these differences to to the organizations that are now trying to to reorganize to to work in these types of environments. So so I think for for us it's it's shown that that there is great opportunity to use technology uh, within organizations across all communicative uh, communicative chains, uh, and we're seeing a lot of efficiencies come out of that. So so. Uh, Again, it, it, it's it's not all dire, and and I do think that there are uh, great avenues of uh, ingenuity that we've seen come out of of these the these once in a generation events that we're now dealing with. Mm. Eleanor, anything come to mind uh, from from your perspective? Well, in the UK, we've had an awful lot of uncertainty for the last few years, really. Um, with Brexit, um, you know, firms are wondering what's going to happen, what kind of data protection frameworks in particular are we going to have? We saved all of the EU rights and obligations, including GDPR, that applied in our law the moment that we stopped being subject to the EU treaties. So on Brexit, everything was saved. 
But now the government is thinking, actually, we want to rip all this up. Um, and so the thing that everyone is asking is what's going to happen? You know, are we going to have that continuity? Are we going to have interoperability with the EU regime? Or are we going to be doing something completely different? And nobody knows the answer to that. And I don't think ministers do either. So uh, so it's, it's a huge amount of uncertainty for everyone to to think about and work through and plan for. And we don't know what that is yet. Yeah, and if you were to timestamp this video, the 21st of October, 2022, our, our government is increasingly unstable if you rewind 24 hours from, from today. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's plenty plenty to unpack there. Um, so one of the things we, we talked about in Vienna, which is quite timely, um, uh, Cecilia Alvarez, our, our friend at Meta, brought, brought this up, uh, at, at least key up, teed off the, the conversation. But we can move into some takeaways from Vienna actually in a little bit, but there's there's this sort of looming concern that some of us have in, in Great Britain and the UK largely about adequacy in terms of data being a sort of adequate data transfer zone, let, let's say, uh, to, to re recap it for our listeners. The UK has largely enjoyed uh, kind of parallel adequacy status with, with the rest of the EEA or you know, EU at large. Uh, therefore, data coming from from the Netherlands is uh, treated the same way in, in the UK as it would be in the Netherlands, for, for instance. Um, the issue with the United States, albeit a great partner uh, for, for the United Kingdom in a lot of respects, and of course, my alma mater and, and, and home country, uh, is that they've, for the, for, the, for the most part, been an inadequate place for, for data to flow from Europe. And I think this is largely on national security grounds and not for any commercial reasons. But what, what do you make of the executive order that happened on, I think, the 7th of October? Fact check me, Eleanor. But what do, what do you make of that? Yeah, yeah. Friday the 7th of October was a big day. And I, I think a really positive one. So since the Schrems 2 case two years ago, which invalidated Privacy Shield, which allowed the free flow of data from the EU to uh, US companies that subscribe to Privacy Shield, yeah, that was invalidated by the Court of Justice. And we have been waiting for a solution to that. Mm. Um, and this looks positive, I have to say. I, you know, I think there's been a huge amount done. There's, there's been a real reflection, I think, of you know, how uh, you need to bring the standard of protection up for that national security data that flows from the EU to the US. And, um, you know, I think everyone is breathing a sigh of relief. This has been a long time coming. People have had to do an awful lot of analysis before they've been able to send the data. So this should help, even if you're not a subscriber to Privacy Shields 2, whatever they're going to call it, um, even if you're sending on the basis of standard contractual clauses, um, the executive order and the DOG regulations, sorry, DOJ regulations should help. Um, a lot. But of course, we know that there are privacy activists waiting in the wings, Max Schrems, uh, who, whose name, of course, is associated with that CJU case of two years ago, is poised to bring another action. So I think we've got some stability for a while and we'll see what happens. But it is a really positive development. Yeah, thank you. And, and Dan, you're, you know, as a as a practitioner in sort of electronic data consulting, and uh, also as a as a commercial director of a business. I mean, how does this how does this make you feel? I mean, this has been quite a, a looming issue for, for a, a wee while. Yeah, I mean, uh, all I can say is, phew, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it, it is something that we think about on a daily basis here. Uh, you, you, you know, we we operate out of the United 
the United Kingdom, but we're we're across the continent and and around the world. And and for us, and the the matters that we work on, as I mentioned before, we're we're uh, we're global in nature, and uh, the the free flow of data is is very important to our industry. Uh, it's something we we keep a close eye on, and you know, Eleanor and I were talking about this at length yesterday. You know, with with the GDPR and the way that it's written. Uh, it has a very sort of broad stroke in terms of what it allows and what and and what it doesn't allow, and and it's it's open to, to quite a bit of interpretation. Uh, but what we're starting to see is identification of some guardrails and some indicators on what's right and what's wrong when we're dealing with with data protection and data transfer. Uh, so I think this is just one step closer to getting some clarity on 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 what we need to do. And, and that as a practitioner uh, and as someone who advises on these types of matters, the, these types of clarification points is really what what we're finding helpful as we move forward in, in interpreting the GDP, uh, GDPR. Yeah, thanks, Dan. And I, I think you, you may well have covered this, Eleanor, r regarding SHREMS, but executive orders are sort of punchy and bold and, and make headlines. But do you, and, and you know, apologies if you don't want to weigh in on US jurisprudence, maybe Dan does, <laughs> but do you, do you foresee any sort of challenge to this executive order, as is often the case with uh, such bold executive orders, regardless of the administration? Well, um, I, I don't know from a US perspective, I'll leave Dan to talk about that. But um, certainly um, from uh, an, an EU and UK perspective, I think activists will be saying, you know, this isn't enough, this isn't good enough. Um, so, I mean, this litigation will take time. So I think for a while we can breathe a sigh of relief, but we, I think, do need to keep an eye on, on all of this because, you know, twice now the Court of Justice has 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 taken the view that, what was done by the European Commission and what was done in the US just wasn't good enough. So uh, that could happen again. I hope it doesn't, but I think we need to be aware of that possibility. Yeah, yeah, good point. I, I wanna jump back to our IEDC panel and meetings in, in Vienna uh, quickly, because I thought our, our colleagues shared some pretty interesting insights during our panel. I, I, uh, it was quite early in the morning and I think we'd have, <laughs> sort of tied one on the night before at a nice dinner. So maybe people weren't incredibly active at that time of the morning, but, but people were still engaged and they, there were a couple of insights and one of which I wanted to share Eleanor, and maybe, maybe you have one that, that, that you want to take away from Vienna as well, but an old, uh, an old friend in contact uh, during the meeting stood up an American lawyer, actually in practitioner. And he had mentioned a case that involved a, a French entity that was facing a dispute of some kind, litigation uh, of, of some description. And I think it was the U.S. state of Arizona, somewhere in the, the southwest. And they had sort of come to some kind of compromise through, through a protective order or something similar, where they basically stated in their their application to the judge that they would look after the data uh, and, and protect its uh, security and, and the sort of privacy of those uh, in, in the data inherited to, to third parties as well. And it was an interesting sort of approach. It was almost uh, an offensive move, if you're using sports terms, to say, look, uh, I, I know I know you're going to uh, uh, discuss blocking statutes and, and, and legitimate laws that you have on the books in, in France, but here's what we're prepared to do, because as an American 
uh, federal jurisdiction, we are entitled to these these data and this this discovery order, uh, but we are willing to meet you in the middle. Um, I, I thought that was interesting um, and it was a fairly recent case. So I, I like to hear these anecdotes from, from litigators in America whenever we can. Did, did you have any particular takeaways from, from the audience? Yeah, no, definitely. I think um, what, what one of my panelists said was, I think quite fellow panelists said was quite shocking uh, to all of us, which was that some of this data, which has been sent over to the US, has been used for completely different purposes. So, for example, you sent to insurers and sold and that sort of thing, uh, which is totally um, contrary to what should happen under under European data protection law. You've got to be very clear about your purposes and you should not be sending the data on um, in an insecure fashion or to others who don't have access to it. So I think that was a bit of a, a surprise that that, that is is happening and, and certainly something that would breach European data protection law. But I think the other thing was that um, often, uh, you, you know, you'll get a, a court order in the US and you'll be expected to react really, really quickly and people want the data there and then. And actually, that's not how the EU regime works. And it's really important if you can plan ahead, you know, you, you should do so. But you should also emphasise that this regime can be complied with, but it takes time. You need to um, be clear what data falls within the scope of, of the order to disclose. You shouldn't be sending more than you yeah. need to. Um, you need to ensure that there's a proper legal basis, a proper justification, that it's proportionate. This is all documented. So yes, you know, there are uh, helpful precedents out there for these regimes talking to each other and being able to interact, as it were, like the French example that you mentioned, Tim. Um, but this is a regime, this European regime, which is quite burdensome, and you can't just send the data over. You need proper thought and a strategy around how you do that safely and in compliance with the law. Yeah, consideration is key, uh, which is something we consider, uh, to, to reuse the term, with our, with our clients broadly all, all of the time. When, when they're faced with with uh, responding to regulatory requests or discovery orders in the context of a dispute in America. But that's a great, great point for you, Dan. I mean, how do you logistically and sort of operationally deal with this at, at IDS when this comes up? There's, there's a lot of moving parts here. And yeah, yeah we'll, we'll shift to Eleanor for the more um, uh, legal focus and how she advises clients. But, but how do you deal with it as a consultant and uh, practitioner in data investigations? Well, I, I think... What has really happened, and, and one of the uh, silver linings, if if you can call it that, of of the GDPR and 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 the advent of uh, 2018 and its enforcement or inaction into 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 law and regulation, is that it really uh, lit the fire under organizations to to understand how data flows through their organizations, uh, and more importantly, it it provided budgets. To, to help guide that process. So, so most organizations of a, of a particular size uh, now have DPOs internally that, that really are tasked with understanding how their digital environment is, is not only operating within their corporate environments, but how individuals are interacting with those same networks. Mm -hmm. um, so from an investigative standpoint and, and from an advisory perspective as a consultant dealing with, with digital uh environments and 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 evidence um really it all boils down to how well do you know your network how do you how well do you know the data that 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 you deal with on a day, daily basis and i always say that as we start 
collaborating and working with our clients, we want to avoid as many of the I don't know answers to the questions I may have uh, as they come up. And, and I think uh, that the GDPR is, has inadvertently helped in, in that regard. You know, there's less I don't know around these days because you have to know what you're holding. You need to know where, where certain evidence or certain data lies and, and how to uh, extract that or, or get to that information. Um, so from a logistical perspective, I think a lot of, uh, of the benefit that's come from this is a, a better uh, uh, understanding of information governance uh, and a better understanding of what liability might lie therein. So, so again, uh, we're, we're getting better answers to the questions that we ask. Mm. And, and what about you, Eleanor, from a, from a sort of uh, legal perspective? How, how, does the, how, how are you advising clients in, in this respect? I know that's a very broad question. Um, it's a difficult regime to comply with. Um, it's complex from the point of view that um, you have to be able to justify what you're doing. You have to make sure that your arguments are watertight for holding data, sharing data. But it's absolutely crucial. I mean, this regime is now one that um, people are familiar with. So, so you do get um, data subjects saying, what are you doing with my data? And that goes back to the point that Dan made. You need to know what's happening within your organization. And as our regulator, the ICO says in the UK, you've got to embed a culture of respect uh, for privacy, for the respect for the protection of personal data within your organization. And it's those organizations that haven't done that, which are in, in, a, in difficulty, because mostly if you've done what you need to and something goes wrong, you've got something to show the regulator and they will be um, certainly in the UK, you know, satisfied with the fact that you've tried, you know, there, because it's so complex sometimes, there will be different answers to how you balance organizations' rights against the right privacy rights of the individual, but you really do need to have embedded that compliance program and to be able to show that you were taking people's rights seriously. Mm. And you mentioned, you mentioned the culture there that always just is kind of a, an ear buzzer for me. And do, do you think do you think regionally, national level or regional sort of level culture uh, has an impact on this and in the way that businesses and individuals treat data and data privacy generally? I mean, I, 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 know, I know my answer to that question, but, but I wondered what, what you thought about that, Eleanor. Uh, absolutely. I, I think you know, certain, certain information is really sensitive in, 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 in particular culture. So in the UK, we never talk about how much we earn. <laughs> Whereas in Sweden, for example, uh, which was a fellow EU you. country a few, a few months ago, um, you know, everyone knows exactly what everybody earns, and that's not sensitive at all. So there are cultural differences, but the GDPR is very clear about there's a list of sensitive information, and, and you know that has to be treated with extra protections. So there are differences, cultural differences, but there's also an attempt really to harmonise um, uh, and and to provide those protections for specific named types of data like health data for example yes yeah thank you thank you for that uh, we we talked about we talked a little bit about a, an event we recently attended there's one that you're attending uh in the coming weeks or, or month or so eleanor um it's it's actually i'll actually let dan introduce it because uh this is his old stomping grounds and his old his old backyard yeah i used to uh operate just outside of Georgetown. So Georgetown is is putting on an advanced uh, e-discovery institute. It's a uh, a yearly conference that 
that really brings together thought leaders uh, around the world uh, to talk about technology, e-discovery, cross-border issues, data protection, sort of all things that that encompass the the sort of digital investigatory and and uh, sort of evidentiary understanding with the cases that we're working on. So it's a it's a great opportunity to. Uh, you know, learn what people are doing from around the world, learn about new technologies and techniques that are being applied in, in creative ways, uh, and really to, to, you know, get into a room with individuals who are driving these conversations and, and really pushing our profession to, to the next level. Uh, it's a conference that iDiscovery Solutions has sponsored for, for years. We've spoken, spoken at it, uh, have, have been very involved in, in the planning stages of, of the conference. Uh, through our CEO and, and visionary, Dan Regard. Um, even this year, our uh, COO, uh, Hunter McMahon, will be speaking uh, at the event on the Great Resignation and, and how to collect and preserve and, and, and really evaluate data that, that employees hold or, as, uh, or, or take with them potentially as they leave. Um, but again, there are some incredible topics that 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 will be discussed over the course of the uh, of the two days, which which happens on on November seventeenth and and eighteenth. Um, also, former bosses of mine are joining there. Natasha Gerlach is 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 a, a very close friend and and former colleague. Uh, and I think Eleanor, you're 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 speaking on a panel with her. So uh, I am. <laughs> yeah, no, indeed. It's it's a great yeah. pleasure always to, to discuss these issues with Natasha. Um, so we're talking about uh, Show Me the Way, proposed reforms in the UK, the new data transfer agreement and the old trends, how to move data from A to B in the future. So that panel is on the 18th of November from uh, 10 to 11 a.m. US time. And it's going to be fascinating because these topics are, you know, evolving week by week almost so by then will we know what the direction of travel is for the uk i don't know but we'll be able to speculate and give you our yeah. best assessment and also talk about the executive order um data transfers to the us uh, and and the eu position as well so it'll be a fascinating panel and i hope you'll be able to join us indeed indeed i still think see you on the other side eu was a was a better title you get a gold you get a gold star for that tim don't worry yeah, yeah. <laughs> well well uh i really want to thank you both for taking the time i speak uh, obviously personally when i say it's always a pleasure to speak to you both and i always walk away uh more educated and energized than than when i started and and i hope our our uh, our listeners and viewers uh feel the same so thank you very much uh and virtually join me in thanking these two for for spending the time thank you very much thank you thank so you much everyone. thank you bye